This is a Dubai Eye 103.8 podcast. Okay, without further ado, we need to reveal the identity of a pretty random winner of the Italian Grand Prix. He's just said on the radio, yes, we did it again. What did I do? <laughs> and I can tell you the winner of the Italian Grand Prix, it is a Frenchman. It is Pierre Gasly in his Alfa Turi who has won. He started 10th on the grid. And who says that F1 is boring? Robbie Greenfield, but it is Pierre Gasly who has taken victory in what has been an action-packed Italian Grand Prix. In second place, it is Carlos Sainz Jr. in the McLaren. He started third on the grid and then Lance Stroll for Racing Point, eighth on the grid at the start. He has come through to finish in third to pick up the 15 points and that final place on the podium. Lando Norris of the second McLaren in fourth, so a very, very, very good day for the McLarens. Valtteri Bottas rounding out the top five in the Mercedes, Daniel Ricciardo finishing sixth. Lewis Hamilton, who started the day on pole, he was given a 10-second stop-and-go penalty. He has fought back. He was at 15th at one point. He's fought back to seventh. With it comes seven points. Esteban Ocon, Daniel Kvyat and Sergio Perez rounding out the top ten. It is astonishing. And it was all down to the fact that Pierre Gasly first of all held his nerve, but also that he chose to pit when there was only a yellow flag showing. Yeah before they were all brought in. Yeah, the red flag, of course, if you are just joining us, this race was red flag. That was after Charles Leclerc crashed on turn 11, I think it was. There was a lot of debris, the car. It was deemed not safe for the other drivers, so they were, uh, the race was called to a halt. They started again on the pit lane, uh, on, on the grid, should I say, and Lewis Hamilton got off to a good start. By that point, though, he had to come in for that 10-second stop and go. He did that within the first two laps, and he's finished seventh. So much to his disappointment, for Lewis Hamilton he was seeking a 90th Grand Prix victory today that would have taken him to within one of Michael Schumacher's record of 91 not a good day if you're a Max Verstappen fan he did not finish he was forced out on lap 31 not a good day though if you are a fan of the Scuderia and Ferrari Charles Leclerc not finishing he was out lap 24 and Sebastian Vettel who started the day in 17th his swan song at Ferrari it could not be going any worse at this moment in time he was out after lap eight. So Ferrari have more food for thought. Not often that you see a Ferrari driver, Chris, after this many races, at 13th in the yeah. official driver standings. Yeah. And that's exactly where Sebastian Vettel is. You compare that to his teammate, Charles Leclerc, who's, who's only in seventh, in all fairness. It's, been a, ter- it's oh. been a horrendous season for Ferrari thus far. Lewis Hamilton still leads the way on 164 points. He's 47 points clear of Valtteri Bottas, who's got one win under his belt. Max Verstappen, who's also got one win, is on 110 points. So they're battling for second place. But Lewis Hamilton just way out in front and cannot be caught. I mean, he'll obviously be disappointed. He starts on pole, the Mercedes. We know it's reliability, it's durability is is always there. A mistake from his team today, however, has cost him because he did come in when there was no light on in the pits. He was forced to take that 10-second stop and go. So there will be some disappointment, some frustration on the part of Lewis Hamilton this evening. But as you say, Rob, he's 47 points clear in the title race, the Drivers' Championship race. It's Valtteri Bottas, his Mercedes teammate in second. I don't don't think he'll be giving Lewis any sleepless nights, not to be too disrespectful, but I'm just stating the, the, the facts. And Lewis Hamilton will be back to do it all over again the next race, and he will be champion again come the end of the season, no doubt about it. Just a, a little news flash from the Tour de France to bring you into the picture with Primoz Roglic. 
the Jumbo Visma driver, driver, I'm still on Formula One, <laughs> rider, sorry, has taken the yellow jersey from Britain's Mitchelton Scott rider, Adam Yates. Adam Yates, in fact, has been pushed, it's not been a good day for him, all the way down to eighth in the general classification standings. Egan Bernal, who won last, uh, last year, the Ineos Grenadiers rider, he is in second, 21 seconds adrift of Roglic, who's actually emerged as the favourite now, I think. Interesting. Um, for the Tour de France. Adam Yates, I don't think anyone expected him to hang on to that yellow jersey, but it looks like a, a really big, fascinating battle is developing between Roglic and, and last year's champion, yeah, Bernal. 21 seconds, not to be scoffed at that. Of course, this only stage nine, Rob, and it was interesting. We did get one listener, I think it was John, big John from Scotland, who messaged in on the show on Thursday, and he did say Primoz Roglic is the man to watch. He was the man that he fancies to go and take this yellow jersey this year. So after 38 hours, 40 minutes and one second in the saddle, he leads the way after stage nine. An awful long way still to go. Of course, there are some brutal mountain climbs coming up in the coming days, but that is a 21-second lead. It is Egan Bernal, as you rightly point out, in second. Adam Yates was actually 54 seconds down on today's race, and he actually said... Um, I said from the beginning, he said, this is a quote from him, there were a lot of stages in the final week of the race that suited me. There are some guys in a better condition. I can be proud of what I did which suggests to me that he doesn't expect to be getting back no. in that yellow jersey at any point. No, I think I m remarked on this last week as well. Traditionally, he's always done well the opening week as Adam Yates, and then as the race has, has gone on, as it becomes that much more gruelling and taxing physically, he has kind of fallen away. I know it gives you, Just, oh. it gives you a stitch thinking about what those boys have, have still got ahead of them. I mean, the fact that they've already been 38 hours in the saddle and they're going at a decent clip, as we often talk about. There There's are that some... famous pass, isn't it? They climb 13, I think it's the Alpuez, uh, yeah, Alpuez Wes. pass. They, yeah. they climb 1,300 metres in the space of about an hour. Oh, I mean, that's, <laughs> that would take me three days. I'd have to take the tent with me to camp. At various You'd junctures take the of that. I probably would, yeah, Rob. That's more the point. But yeah, uh, the cable yeah. car, that's a much better way of getting up to the top. But yeah, that's the Tour de France situation. So Roglic in the yellow jersey, Gasly the winner of the Italian Grand Prix. You're listening to Offscript Extra Time on Dubai 103.8. The IPL schedule, all important schedule for the uprunning games, upcoming games in Abu Dhabi, starting down there where MS Dhoni will lead out the three-time champions against the holders, Mumbai Indians. It is the Chennai Super Kings and MS Dhoni bidding to win it for a fourth time. Should be pretty exciting, Chris. It's a great match, that. It really is. You're, you're pitting the best team in IPL history up against the holders, as you rightly point out, in that match. Saturday, September the 19th, so all the team down there, Matt Boucher and his team at Abu Dhabi Cricket, they'll be delighted with that one. All eyeballs will be on that. And then the following day, Dubai International Stadium takes centre stage. It will then see Delhi Capitals take on Kings 11 Punjab. Sunrisers Hyderabad, they take on Virat Kohli's Royal Challengers Bangalore. They will meet the same venue, so it's Dubai once again on the Monday and then on the Tuesday we head on down to Sharjah probably the most famous of cricket stadiums certainly has held the most ODI matches down there the Rajasthan Royals they'll be taking on the Chennai Super Kings so that's your first four days mapped out 56 matches in total there will be 10 double headers opening matches of course starting at 2pm evening matches begin, be, beginning at 6pm we're in for a couple of months 
of superb cricket. Make no mistake about it. It all gets underway a week on Saturday. And this is going to be behind closed doors, I take it. As we all know, yes, is the uh, and we spoke, didn't we, to the General Secretary of the Emirates Cricket Board ooh, a couple of weeks ago. It will be behind closed doors for now. Of course, the final taking place November the 10th. A lot can change between September 19th and November 10th. And I believe there is a want, a desire in the corridors of power whereby we might start to see a trickle. And over the course of this tournament, some fans allowed in. I mean, if you speak to the organisers, they'll tell you that if it's safe, they would love to have 100% capacity in these stadiums for these matches. But it's a, a softly, softly approach. Of course, the health and safety of the players, the fans, is absolutely paramount. But we remain hopeful over the course of this IPL, some fans will be in attendance to watch world-class cricket. Yeah, looking forward to it. September the 19th, so what, 13 days away yeah, we from the start of the IPL right here in the UAE. It's exciting stuff. We've got another little story about something local coming to, the, to Abu Dhabi and a return of Fight Island. I got a notification on my phone, I think it, I think it was yesterday actually, Chris, to, uh, to let me know that this time last year, you and I were in Abu Dhabi. Yes. We were covering UFC 242, mm-hmm. Khabib Nurmagomedov. We were actually interviewing the man that he beat in the octagon, Dustin Poirier, yep. commenting on his incredibly colourful flowery shirt. He did have a, an incredible shirt that day. I remember it fondly, and it will be exactly a year tomorrow, a year to the day, September 7th, where yeah. we, we saw Khabib Nurmagomedov. It was an early third round, or there was two minutes was there left in that third round when he stopped Dustin Poirier on a packed... You know, they, they, they stuck up that uh, temporary venue down there in record-breaking time. It was a great event. We saw it, witnessed it firsthand. Khabib Nurmagomedov continuing his unbeaten run. That's actually the last time that he's fought as well. It's almost a year since he's fought Khabib. hasn't fought since, has Well, yeah, exactly. It's amazing. Absolutely amazing. Um, has Poirier it. fought since? Maybe once. I think he did fight once in the interim. He fought Gaethje, did he? Gaethje not beat him. I'm entirely sure I think exactly it was. who uh, Poirier, who, who he fought. But uh, yeah, it's amazing that Khabib obviously has subsequently was lost it? his Gaethje. father. Yes, he has, as Khabib. We have seen images of him in the last few days. He's back out running. I know a number of journalists that were tweeting and, and sharing clips of Khabib, and I think he actually shared it to his own social media. And I guess more importantly, there was a report over the course of this weekend, ESPN, who of course so regularly have their finger on the pulse when it comes to UFC, uh, who announced that, I say announced, it was sources close to various ESPN writers had said that the UFC will be coming back to Abu Dhabi at the end of this month. Now, that I don't think is... I don't think that will come as a surprise to many because I think reading between the lines and speaking to a number of our sources, we always felt that the UFC would be back to uh, take on the second of that five fights in the five-year deal that they signed Dana White and the powers that be down in the nation's capital. What ESPN were reporting on Friday, though, is that in actual fact, it's a return of Fight Island, that there will be five live events beginning with UFC 253, the pay-per-view event on September the 26th, running events consecutive Saturdays all the way through to UFC 254 on October the 24th. Now, I've done a bit of digging. I've spoken to one or two sources today, and they have told me that that is not a million miles away from what we can expect. Of course, we are still waiting for official confirmation in all of this. That UFC 253, we know the headline act. That will be the middleweight title fight between the unbeaten duo Israel Adesanya and Paulo Costa. Adesanya 19-0, Costa 13-0. 
know. That's the headline fight for UFC 253. So that would kick off, again, a month of some incredible fights culminating. No official confirmation on this, but again, we are led to believe that that will be a lightweight championship fight between... Khabib Nurmagomedov, a home away from home here, 28-0, and and he would go up against Justin Gaethje, a man who boasts a 22-2 and record. That will headline UFC 254. Now, we said it at the initial outset of this UFC Fight Island. The Etihad Arena is complete down there on Yaz Island. It may well come into play. Does it come into play for all five fights? I've got my doubts, all five fight nights. Does it come into play for UFC 254? potentially, and as for fans, because I've been inundated with people asking, can I get tickets, can I get tickets? Watch this space on that. I think it would be foolhardy to believe that any of these events will be at full capacity. There may be scope, there may be scope for some fans, a limited capacity getting into, Does do any get into 253? Again, I've got my doubts. Do any get into 254? I think the powers that be would love for that to happen. But of course, again, but, but safety measures. But in all measures. honesty, what, what, what's likely to change between 253 and 254? Uh, well, it's a month. I know, but unless there's a vaccine in that month. No, no there's, there's loads of sporting events taking place right now with fans. We're seeing over in England, for example, Brighton, Chelsea, last weekend, 2,500. There was just greater screening. It's all about processes and what you put in place. Etihad Arena, to my knowledge, is about 18, 18,500 capacity. Could they, for sake of argument, get in three, four, five thousand 5,000 with the right parameters and if there is proper testing, etc.? Yes, and again, uh, this, is, this is me coming at it from uh, very much on the outside looking in, Would you I think, go? Yeah, absolutely. I think there will as be a punter. I mean, as a punter, yeah, absolutely. I, I think. I mean, have I got the cash to maybe pay for it? Will they inflate the prices? I'm not sure. It'll be interesting to see how much to get into UFC 254 will be. But if if I was a punter, absolutely. Would I take a COVID test to prove that I'm negative to then get up there and watch that? Yeah, I would. I think it's the best seat in the house, right? For you to be one of, I don't know, two, three, four, five thousand in that venue to watch Nomagomedov against Gaethje, absolutely I would. And I know an awful lot of UFC fans who reside in this part of the world that would do exactly mm. the same. Again, it may well be the costing. It may be costing issue. It may be an invitee only. I don't know how that they'll work that if indeed fans are allowed in. That will be fascinating to watch. But uh, yeah, the fact that UFC Fight Island Part 2, that there are five fight nights coming back five consecutive Saturdays starting with UFC 253 culminating in 254 again another massive feather in the cap of Abu Dhabi because whilst UFC Fight Island was great it was great a few weeks back I mean, didn't have is, the greatest fights no, in fairness this is the real deal now 253 two unbeaten fighters finishing up with Norman Golmadov's return to the octagon and Justin Gaethje who I think captured an awful lot of people's imaginations with his last performance. I think it was against Dustin Poirier. The but Tony Ferguson he beat. Tony Ferguson, you're absolutely right. Yeah. The manner of that victory, Rob. Oh yeah, he was Tony. unbelievable. So and he was unbelievable. I mean, that is again Abu Dhabi front and centre. And not a peep out of Connor. Not, not really. Um, yeah, he's been on. He's been in boats, hasn't he, in Saint Tropez with with his fiance. Maybe and he his really kids. has retired. Nah, he'll be back in 2021. He'll be back. Because it's bizarre, he had his comeback fight against Cerrone, and that was at the start of this year, and then nothing. Well, he, announced, yeah, he announced his retirement as third or fourth. He'll be back. 
I think if it was a betting what's, match, what's more not. predictable that Conor McGregor will retire or that Lionel Messi will threaten to leave Barcelona and neither happen <laughs> I think both it's safe to say I think we've got Messi spot on and I'm pretty safe in the knowledge that yeah. we have not seen the last of Conor McGregor inside the octagon I'm, I'm quite proud of the fact that both you and I immediately called that one out for what it was yeah Absolutely. I mean, I could see it. Uh, a lot of journalists who are, again, a lot closer to Did get a bit excited. There, were, there was a moment where I did get a bit excited, I must admit. But he's come out and it's exactly... He's, it's, he's kind of failed. Uh, to be to fair... What he actually tried to do. His interview took me aback, I must say. When I watched it, his, his, uh, the level of detail he went into and how candid he was about the club, that took me aback. I wasn't expecting that. Mm. I mean, ultimately, what I think... He's he, not happy, that's, no, that's for sure. He's not, but he's staying. You know, he's I, staying, but begr- it looks very much... He's done a very good job of making it look like he's staying begrudgingly. Oh, well, yeah, if you read his, his comments and, and the quote by quote or watch the interview, he, he's basically admitted that. He's not staying of his own volition. He, he thought there was a clause in his contract that he could exercise to leave the football club for free. The only thing I temper that... And, and listen, this, this shows he has great respect or, or greater respect for the football club. If Lionel Messi really wanted out of that football club, he could make it happen. He could really throw his toys out the pram. Yeah, they're not going to get seven hundred million for him, but there would be a club out there that would be willing to part with substantial funds if he really wanted to get out of that football club. As we've seen so often, I'm not saying this is the right way to do it, but as we've seen with some players in the past, where if you try really hard to extricate yourself from football clubs, invariably you can do that. He wanted to. He leave. had a weird contract, though. Yeah, not I mean, many players have a 700 million release no, clause written into their contract. Which comes hand in hand with being allowed to leave on a Bosman free if you notify the club before a certain date. It is bizarre. As I say, I've always felt from day one that this was a power play. And ultimately, Messi's kind of failed with it because Bartomeu's still in charge. He's not got the move he wished, he wanted. He's still at the football club. So therefore, Messi has lost in all of this. And Barcelona, I mean, have they gained? They want a motivated Messi, otherwise it becomes a bit of an issue. But he's a professional, he'll want success. I'm sure he'll give it his all, as he he said in that interview. But ultimately, what he's aimed to do, he's failed with. There's so much going on in the world of sport. There's the FedEx Cup finale tonight, the Tour Championship over at Eastlake in the world of golf. A word on that in just a moment. And there's also the US Open taking place. Have you managed to watch any, Chris? I watched a little bit of Serena Williams against Sloane Stephens last night. I turned it on. I was a bit kind of surprised at how early that was on over here in the UE. Sloane, very good in that opening set. She took it 6-2. I joined at the back end of that. I watched kind of all the way through till Serena took the second set. And I was kind of done at that point. I think Karate Creed 3 was awaiting (laughs) me in the misses role. But Serena, great win for her taking out Sloane. Because on paper, I looked at that and thought... And after watching the first set, especially, I thought, yeah, it's done. Serena's, and you never write off legends of any sport, really. But I did feel Sloan had the, the kind of the game to take out Serena. But with every passing match, she grows in confidence, mm. does Serena. Of course, bidding for a 24th Grand Slam. Uh, that's it, in all honesty, Rob. I've not seen much. I haven't watched. I watched a little bit of Roberto Batista Agut. He is out in five sets. Uh, I watched a little bit of that. But other than that, I've not yeah. paid too much attention to the tennis, in all honesty. There is uh, a bit of tennis tonight. Dennis Shapovalov is going to be taking on David Goffin, Goffin even. And Naomi Osaka 
will play yeah. in that Contevate. She's been taken to three sets in each of her last two, has Naomi Osaka. And Contevate is a very good player Yeah, as well. She's waiting for her kind of breakthrough tournament, Contevate, in terms of breakthrough major and going on and winning a slam. So I'm intrigued by that one. Novak as well, Pablo Carrena Busta for the world number one in the men's draw. And we were just talking about it off air. It's, I mean, I'm stating the bleeding obvious a little bit, but it's his to lose. Unless Medvedev. Medvedev produces something completely inspired. Team, maybe. But yeah, I think, I mean, Novak, serene progress thus far. He did lose the opening set to Kyle Edmonds. He did. Yeah, Kyle Edmonds played out of his skin. I watched that one. Just kind of came through and did it in kind of normal fashion. And I must say, I don't, I don't think either Osaka or Serena look particularly convincing. The women's side. Petra Kvitova is always the one because I'm just, I, I always tell myself that if she's at it, I think very few can live with her with that big lefty serve. So she'd be one to be keeping an eye on. You're right, but, you know, good champions, they find ways, Rob. And as these tournaments become ever more pressurised as we reach the squeaky bum time, the business end, I always think good players just rise and, and raise, their the, game. raise their game and, and come to come to their, their, their kind of best form. So, yeah, watch this space. I was very impressed with Serena. I, as I say, I watched it and thought, she's done for here. She was really good in that second set and then, of course, third set mentally. She had Sloan beat. Amazing at 38 oh, that she can still produce that. Unreal. Quite incredible. Uh, over in the, the golf, the Tour Championship over at Eastlake, uh, are you familiar with Korea's Sung Jae Im, I Chris? I am not, and I just asked you off air because he has just catapulted <laughs> He's himself. popped up out of nowhere. 22 years of age. He was the Rookie of the Year for the 2018-19 PGA Tour season. He won his first victory at the Honda Classic earlier this year. So he's a player, but unfortunately or ultimately, we don't know too much. We don't know too much about him, about and, he, him. and he hasn't won a major championship. He hasn't really been in the thick of it in a major championship. And here he is, one shot behind Dustin Johnson. We know how Dustin can get a little flaky when it comes to holding the lead. So it's going to be interesting to see if he can keep at bay a chasing pack that includes Xander Schauffele, yeah. one of your favourites, Chris. Yeah. Justin Thomas is by no means out of it. Three shots behind Dustin Johnson. Uh, Colin Morikawa, your PGA champion. He, he would be a fitting winner of the FedEx Cup because it would really underline, really kind of rubber stamp a great breakout season for him. Tyrrell Hatton yeah. is not going away. Yeah. He, what a career that guy is having. Unbelievable. Oh. You know, when you, when you He's from my old it. club. Yeah, and someone that you played a pro-am with as well. That's not, right, yeah. Not the most chatty is Tyrrell, but it's he does his talking. gregarious. No, he does his talking on the golf course, and he's four under, nine under, so he's only four shots back at the halfway mark. John Rams had an absolute stinker. He was uh, at 13 under. He would actually be tied for the lead had he done anything other than level par, but four over for his round yesterday. So he's back in a tied fifth, nine under, still by no means out of it, four shots off. Rory in the mix as well. He's at eight under. So we're set up for a barnstorming finish. Rory, a new dad. Yeah, he is, daughter. That's given him a renewed... Because he shot a 64, didn't he? He shot round. a very good round, six under he was for yeah. the first round. So that took him to, I believe, nine under. So he was one over yesterday. Not such a good day for Rory yesterday. No, not at all. Maybe the adrenaline has just dropped off a little bit. But by no means out of it, Robbie's only five off. And as we know in golf with two rounds, 36 holes still to play. An awful lot can change. Does DJ win it from here? <sighs> no. He's the form player. And he's been playing, no doubt. He's the world number one, yeah. and he is definitely the best golfer on the planet right now. But yet something tells me he doesn't win it. Yeah, I'm with you. 
I'm absolutely with you. So I, just, I just wouldn't trust that man <laughs> to close out a golf tournament, even though he just won by 11. I just, for some reason, when the pressure's on, it was just like at the PGA Championship where he had a chance, he gets a little bit iffy. He does. Yeah, the putter just gets, ho- gets cold all of a sudden because tee to green. I would say he overthinks anyway. it, but I'm pretty sure he doesn't do that. <laughs> we, know, we know for certain he doesn't do that. But uh, yeah, it's going to be intriguing. I mean, you could throw a blanket over any of those. As you say, Choufflet is a heck of a player. Thomas, Morikawa, Ram, don't rule out McElroy if he comes back and has a good third round. So it's all to play for. Are you enthused like about golf super season? No. Oh, there's one that's upcoming. Yeah. I thought you meant the FedEx. Uh, super season, six majors. How many tournaments? Six majors in, in 50 tournaments in a year. I mean, I'm enthused by the majors, Rob. Yep. That's when I get excited about my golf. This is just a money grab for all these boys, isn't That's it? It's crazy. I mean, $15 million to first place. Have you watched any of it? I did. I watched the first sort of hour or so of coverage. Saw Rory make his first birdie on the first hole. Okay, so... He was playing with uh, Brendan Steele, I think, and out drove him by about 100 yards on the first hole. That's for anyone that loves their golf, any of the purists out there, I'm sure this is exciting, the Tour Championship, the shootout, $15 million. Well, of course, a couple of years ago, it was, it was the scene of Tiger's comeback yes, it win. Was. Yeah, it was. That was, that prelude, that was the prelude to his, uh, his ultimate comeback, uh, which uh, was winning the Masters. And I am right in saying it's the top 30. Yes. The top 30 yeah. from the PGA Tour. And I must year. admit, finally, they've gotten it right, because for so long, the winner of the FedEx Cup didn't necessarily win the Tour Championship, and that, that felt anticlimactic. So what they've done is they've, as you said, you, you actually compared it to a Formula One grid, and that's exactly what it was. They've aligned it whereby all your points are converted into a starting place at the beginning. So Dustin Johnson has had every chance to win this tournament. Dustin Johnson started at 10 under. He's only three under for the tournament. Yeah. And that, that I suppose, if you look at the respective how they're playing, DJ's three under for the tournament. I think Kim is eight under for the tournament. So... It makes I mean, it interesting. You're right. It does make it interesting. It's a, it's a unique and, and kind of novel way to try and settle this 15 million US dollar prize pot. And right now, Dustin's in the driving seat. I'm with you though, Rob. Is he there at the end? I've got my doubts. Yeah, well, uh, we'll have to wait and see. Chris, did you catch much of the football this weekend? I did, yeah. I, to be fair, I commented to you this afternoon, the games were awful. They, they really do... I didn't see any of them. They do strike me as being players who... They're like pre-season matches. International football's not my cup of tea anyway, especially at the start of a brand new season. Yeah. But it, they were going through the motions. It. They were going through the motions. I watched I watched England-Iceland. I wish it hadn't, but I did. Of course, England taking victory. Raheem Sterling, penalty. And then Iceland subsequently missing one deep into stoppage time. I then sat through Sweden against France. France winning it. Uh, Kylian Mbappe's fine little finish. I watched a bit of Portugal against Croatia as well and yeah just Portugal Croatia Portugal were the best of a bad bunch in all honesty football this weekend was dire yeah we've got a message in just uh, caught up with you guys on the Tour de France nice one massive change in the race today Roglic will be protected by his team Jumbo Visma teammates all the way to Paris see you in the duck yeah thank you very much for that message and uh, yeah I think Roglic now in the driving seat, 21 seconds ahead of your last year's champion, Egon Bernal. And, uh, yeah, listen, still a long way, go, uh, long way to go, Rob. It's only stage nine today, 21 in total. An awful uh, lot can change. As we approach the start of a brand-new Premier League season and we look at how the teams are shaping up, Newcastle 
They've been getting oh. busy, and I don't think anyone saw that coming. No, I mean, I've, I've tweeted about it today. I, I mean, obviously, we, we featured Newcastle quite a bit in, in the last few weeks, of course, there. The, the attempted and then failed uh, takeover by the Saudi Public Investment Fund. And so Steve Bruce has got on with it. Mike Ashley won't get any praise. I'm not going to sit here and say he deserves any before any Newcastle fan gets in touch. But for them to sign Jeff Henrik... Not a sexy sign in, in any way, straight in, in any way, shape, or form, Jeff Henrik. What he is is, and again, I, I mean no disrespect by this. He's just a good, solid Premier League player. They got him on a free from Burnley. He's probably got a decent signing on fee. He's most certainly got a bit of a, a wage increase for Newcastle to entice him up. But he, he knows it week in, week out. He's a solid Premier League midfielder. They've had a bid accepted for the, the uh, Norwich and Northern Ireland left back Jamal Lewis, who I, I think is a good player, a really good player, thirteen and a half million. They're in talks with Ryan Fraser on a free transfer. He left Bournemouth at the start of uh, the COVID-19 coming out of the lockdown. Ryan Fraser, who the season before last, I think was second on the assists table behind Kevin De Bruyne. And then today news that they've had a £20 million bid accepted for Callum Wilson, the England striker, of course, who plays his club football at Bournemouth. Didn't have the best of seasons last season, but again, you go back to the season before that, him and Ryan Fraser struck up a good relationship and he, he knows where the back of the net is. And when you look at those four signings together, British core of British players, good ages. I think Fraser's 26, Wilson's 28, Lewis is 22 and Henrik's 29, I think. Memory serves me correct. They're good signings, Rob. They are good, solid signings for Newcastle United. And I, I said it on my tweet a little earlier. An time for Mike Ashley to be getting busy with the checkbook. Well, two of them are on freeze and, yeah, 20 and 13 and a half million. So 33 and a half million quid spent. That's his retainer. It well, kind that's of his is. Deposit. He's he's smart enough, isn't that was he? Mike? Seventeen million, wasn't it? He's not going to spend a hundred, two hundred million on this Newcastle squad. I would imagine Steve has almost exhausted his allocation of of transfer funds. But those four are good signings for Newcastle, Rob. They're they're sensible signings. And you know, again, whether you're a fan of Steve Bruce or not, I can't help but think those quartet of signings make an awful lot of sense. And if it was a Newcastle fan, I'd be I'd be pretty I'd be pretty happy with my team's summer business if those three, Lewis, Wilson and Fraser, do get pushed over the line this week. It goes without saying that Chelsea have probably had the best transfer window so far. I mean, yeah, as one of my mates Certainly remarked the most last splurgy. night. Yeah, football manager, eat your heart out. And it's football manager-esque. Kai Havertz signed over the weekend, great signing, big fan. I know a lot of clubs took a look at him. I'm, I'm a fan of Ben Chilwell. I think Timo Werner will hit the ground running. Hakim Ziyech's a fine player. Thiago Silva makes so much sense for you. Okay, he's 35, but with Christensen, you know, with Tamori, young central defenders on the books there. Does Havertz's signing appearance push Mason Mount out of the team? Absolutely. I think all their attacking signings push all their other attacking players other than maybe Pulisic. Christian Pulisic, but even he wasn't a guaranteed starter last season. I think if you're Mason Mount, if you're Tammy Abraham and you're Callum Hudson-Odoi, and if you're Gareth Southgate, you're perhaps a little concerned because starting right now, if I'm Lampard, Werner's my number nine, Averts is my number 10, ZX starts wide right, and probably Christian Pulisic wide left. It's a brand new team for Chelsea. Uh, it's exciting. Ben Chilwell at left back. It allows you then Reese James or Aspilicueta at right back. Thiago Silva goes in alongside probably Rudiger. And then if they can sign a striker... I know they're still being linked with Declan Rice as well. If they can sign, sorry, a goalkeeper, then yeah, this Chelsea team, I think undoubtedly, if he gets them bedded in quickly, they've undoubtedly closed the gap. You've been listening to a Dubai Eye 103.8 podcast.
To enjoy lots more from Dubai Eye in the United Arab Emirates, just go to DubaiEye1038.com or find them wherever you normally get your podcasts.